Yard, hold on. Oh, he got me. He got me live. Bang, bang, skeet, skeet. Today we are covering the Tupac Shakur murder breakdown right here on the Failure Stop podcast channel. Today's show brought to you by Manscaped.com, promo code Wolfpack. We've also got OfficerPrivacy.com forward slash Wolfpack and Ghostbed. Sleep so good, it's scary. Tupac Shakur, who killed him? Today, Failure Stop podcast channel. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. And also Night Shift, Top Secrets Information. I am joined today with my co-host for Friday Breakdowns, the easy, the steezy, the beautiful Drew Breezy, and new to our network, the C-Minus Media, the Anti-Hero Podcast, because you know what? When you're talking gangs, you got to talk Anti-Hero Podcasts, because they're basically a gang. What's going on, boys? What's up? You know what we do best, Eric? No. We paint a picture, paint a perfect picture of a murder. That's Tupac. The, the uh... <laughs> is that lyrics from Tupac? Yeah, I mean, I like <laughs> very slow on the react. Come on, Eric. I was thinking <laughs> I about woke up to... ten minutes ago. <laughs> I, I, I was like, get how do I in the copyright? But yeah. how do I bring Bob Ross into this rap? <laughs> like, how do I how do I really white this rap up? And bring in Bob Ross. Um, you are appreciated. Paint me a Birmingham. Paint it just the way I am. <laughs> well, that I'm, was not I'm, too I'm, I'm here strictly. Uh, I was brought in third party to uh, referee today's episode. Uh, <laughs> just in, just in <laughs> it did get a little out of hand. I actually yelled violently last week at Drew. We disagreed. We disagreed uh, a lot. And um, I did. I threw my mug, which sucks because I bought this like $15 jack for my headphones and it happened to be in the mug. And then I had to spend <laughs> an entire afternoon searching the uh, the yard outside the studio for the, the little golden $12 audio uh, jack. Listen, we've got some stuff to get out of the way. We've got a meetup in Jacksonville, Florida on the 26th and 27th with Ken Shamrock. Kenny from the block. Can you smell what the Shamrock's cooking? Uh, Ken Shamrock. Uh, by the way, that episode with Ken Shamrock was dope. But we're all going to the fight. There's a big first responder night on the Thursday of the 26th at Island Girl Cigar Bar, Ponte Vedra Beach. Please call all your Florida peeps. Uh, it's going to be rad. We're going to be doing some live podcasts out of there. Conservative Anthony's going to be there. Anti-Hero Podcast is going to be there. Getting a grip on things from Michigan's going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a, a dead leg from Colorado will be there. Drew Breezy will be there. I'll be there from North Carolina. Lots of people showing up for this event at the Island Girl Cigar Bar, which is a very beautiful establishment right next to Roos Christ and Pusser's Rum Bar, which are two iconic places, um, I don't know, in Florida, I guess. If you haven't eaten at a Roos Christ, have you even lived? I don't think Roos Christ is as good as it used to be, though, to be frank with you. 
I haven't been in a while. Dude, I, I know what it is. the service is not what it was 20 years ago. You don't know what Ruth Chris is? Mm-hmm. Oof. You got to treat yourself one time, even though the service wasn't as great. The food is still incredible. But anyway, there's one right there. I'm not going to take you there because I think it's like probably $140 a plate. Yeah. But uh, I'll go with you. And you yeah, can, uh, failure to stop isn't hosting everybody there. I mean, the failure to stop C minus Every... is, is putting everybody up in some kind of a, <laughs> a, a an Airbnb or hotel of some sort. I, we'll, I don't think we'll buy, for food. A, we'll buy an appetizer at Ruth's Chris. You know, we'll get the chips and salsa or the uh, fried <laughs> mushrooms at Ruth's Chris. <laughs> or the do, they have, do they have chips and They don't have chips and uh, They're a restaurant. I, I'm, I they can only do assume. not. They do not have. Uh, they don't have uh, potato wedges. No, no. Actually, they have a one pound baked potato, and I believe it's like sixty dollars if you want it loaded. So um, I remember one time I went there when the first time I ever went there, and I took a girl there trying to be fancy, and I ordered and I said, "I'll have the loaded baked potato because that's all I could afford." But uh, I think she got a steak. Fucking bitch. Um, <laughs> but uh, hey, how much do you know about um Tupac? By the way, me, me, yeah. Well, I, I, who are you asking? What, what I've heard on the what I used to pirate off of uh, fucking you know Fo- Foxfire or whatever it was. Fox. <laughs> what was that? What, what? I can't remember the name of that. LimeWire. Uh, <laughs> Lime yeah. No, there was another one though. There was Napster. Yeah, there, Disaster. Well, I mean, that's a. I I, I was more uh, old school. Yeah, yeah I, was, I mean, that... Drew was probably studying his lyrics for uh for rap uh for actual intel for work. Yeah, yeah, we used to do drive-bys all the time. Like <laughs> he's trying to learn from the gangsters. <laughs> yeah, I had the bandana, like you know, <laughs> I wore the bandana over my head. I fit right. What's in. What's going on on the 10 4 10 21, my homies? <laughs> I thought I loved that whole thing. I thought that was the perfect play on uh, the East Coast, West Coast thing. I think that was the perfect uh, action. Like, that's the best way the music industry has ever done something like wrestling. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't even the East Coast, West Coast culture war that got him killed. It had nothing to do with Biggie Small's death. It was. Well, I mean, you're going to get into it. it just yeah, like, I was going to say, like, wow, just come on here <laughs> in five minutes alert. and spoil the whole fucking <laughs> show, you dick. Uh, and then we uh, we also, before we get started, have a meetup in November in Albemarle, North Carolina with Vinny Montez. And then Sunday in Raleigh, North Carolina, I'll be opening for Vinny Montez. So on that Saturday, it'll be Drew Breezy. Uh, MC and for Vinny Montez, the comedian. And then on Sunday, the 12th, it'll be myself and Jay Darrell White opening for Vinny Montez at Uncle Jesse's Saloon in Raleigh, North Carolina. So if you guys want to join us, go ahead. And um, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the Tupac Shakur murder mystery right here on the Friday breakdown. Listen, I, I just tweeted out, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter. It says I had a Twitter account since like 2014. I guess I used to Twitter about wine for a couple of weeks and then I haven't had it since then. So, but I'm back on the tweeters and I've sent out my first really good tweet in a while, um, which means it's really good. It got one like um, so far. It's a hundred percent more than you got the week before. 
It is. I said the more I, uh, you know, the more I learn about Tupac, the more cringe it becomes. Like this dude really didn't have a lot of redeemable qualities. However, every single interview, every single podcast, every single YouTube video, every single documentary, like sugarcoats all of it to a level I've never even seen before. Like, dude, that, like, why are we making this guy look like he was a halfway decent human being? I don't see anything that he did nice to anyone. But the whole documentary, like literally, even when they're talking about him raping a girl, they paint it like it's some kind of like blessing no, that they, she got raped by Tupac. No, they said <laughs> I was kind of listening to what you were listening to I because uh, and that was refreshing me of what <laughs> what kind of a guy he was. But it said that he was in a uh, that she was in a hotel room and she was raped by several of his associates, but that previously <laughs> she had had consensual oral sex with Tupac. So <laughs> the 14 guys standing around him raped her. But he just received oral sex and it was consensual. So it's cool because he was Tupac. Everything's yes. Good. Yes. That, that's, and like, but even before this, like this dude's been caught up in some serious shit and like none of it's really good. Like I could see like if this dude was like feeding the homeless or something crazy, not one story about any of that. <laughs> but every single story they say or they tell of him doing some kind of dirtbag thing, they say it with this like almost like legendary. Yeah. Well, applause like, well maybe, yeah. maybe it's one of those things where, you know, you see all the people feeding the homeless and it's all bullshit. It's a cover up, you know, like motorcycle gangs or police admin, you know, it's all it's all facade <laughs> to cover something up. Maybe he's actually just he's a he's a decent dude who didn't care if he looked good. Maybe. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't think this guy well, was a decent dude at all. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know that murdering children is a, is a sign of decency. I, I think you got the yeah. second part right. He just didn't care what it looked like. I mean, he, was, yeah, I think he murdered he was just, children? Yeah. Uh, murdered well, we'll get kids. into it. We'll we'll get into it. But allegedly. yeah, I mean, this dude, wow. Yeah, I don't want him to come back and sue me. Right. Yeah, allegedly. From the grave. But like, dude, I almost bought a Tupac. I was like, I almost bought a Tupac shirt and was going to wear like the scarf and me and my kids have listened to Tupac from time to time on the way to the skate park but now that I've done all this this research on Tupac I'm like damn this guy's yeah, you, kind of a well, piece of shit you're also flirting with blackface if you do that so I wouldn't speaking of blackface is black penis a thing like if I put on a black condom is that yeah but is that is that bad what yeah, if you do gonna... blackface for fantasy purposes in the bedroom is that racist no, like, what if my wife good. wants to be with a black dude? But <laughs> you like, yeah, Drew immediately. No, no, <laughs> uh, but they definitely know. Drew's the like, I've done it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say they, they just they know the difference right off the bat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's that's all I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, Tupac was born as Lasane Crook. That's his real name, dude. Lasane Crook. Leslie. That's what I'm gonna call him for now on. Old Les, old Lesy, old Lesane. Um, but then his mother changed his name to Tupac Amaru. Amaru? I don't know. Uh, because she wanted him to be named after a Peruvian revolutionary. She said that she wanted Tupac to have the blood of the culture wars around the world in his veins. By the mm -hmm. way, his mom, whose name was Afini, she was uh, a Black Panther. 
she was arrested as part of a Black Panther terrorist organization that was conspiring to blow up several monuments and maybe a couple of government buildings in New York. Uh, Tupac was was from the Harlem area of New York. And um, but yes, yeah, so his mom, Afini, she was arrested in 1969 in New York. And uh, but she was pregnant at the time when she got arrested. So she gets sent to jail. She's preggers with jail. She ends up getting acquitted. And one month after she's acquitted, Tupac is born. What I think is cool about the story of her being pregnant with Tupac was that um, she had not carried a child past the three month mark yet. Hmm. So um, it was almost like he was kind of destined to be. You know, so not only does he make it past three months without her having a miscarriage, but he makes it through um, her being in jail for, you know, almost the entire pregnancy. That, that's but, uh, that's survival, dude. Yeah, survival from the yeah. you know, if you could survive, yeah. if you if you outlasted the other three fetuses, that's that's survival. Yeah, and while you're in prison, but they gave her extra eggs in prison and extra milk, so maybe there's something to that. Maybe. That's what kept her going because she because she was pregnant in prison. She was uh, offered an extra egg for breakfast and an extra glass of milk. Uh, I guess that's that's the there secret. Could be something to that. The nutrition. Yeah, did, you, did you did you research Tupac's aunt? You talking about well you, you well you talking about Tupac's dad's sister who so Tupac's dad right it was his dad not his stepdad. Or is yeah, it a stepdad? <laughs> right, but he had a stepdad. So he never knew his real dad. Shocker. Um, <laughs> and neither did Biggie. <laughs> what? Do I have to reveal today that I was Tupac's father? <laughs> <laughs> I can spit Dude, game. Breaking like, news. <laughs> right. <laughs> On this podcast. Um... <laughs> Uh, no, it was his stepdad. Yeah, his stepdad, whose name was Matulu, um, and he was God not really you. Tupac's stepdad. He was Tupac's mom's boyfriend, who just kind of, you know what I mean? It was kind of like a what do they call it in North Carolina when you're when you're dating somebody for so long that they consider you married. Uh, common law husband. Common law, yeah. It was more of a common law sitch because they were never like formally married. They they were never like technically legally married. What was your question? I don't. Oh, know I just question. asked if you oh. if you heard about if you uh, researched his aunt. It's that I mean his aunt. Yeah, I'm getting into it right now. Oh, it's well, not his real question. aunt. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's not his real we're, fucking we're still, aunt. You stopped talking and then you went. What's your What's your question? <laughs> I, that's... His mom used to work late and made sure he had a hot plate. I know. If right, you sorry. just let us get through that part, <laughs> right? His mom got a crack addiction. Um, you know, while Tupac was early in his life as well. Um, but she fell in love with this dude named Matulu. Kind of like became the stepdad for uh, Tupac. That's where he gets the last. You know, his his name Tupac Shakur. Uh, but uh, this dude was wanted. He was number one on the FBI's most wanted list for New York because he helped his sister escape a prison after she killed a cop. So he gets rolled up. 
he gets found guilty, but only he only gets caught after he 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 only gets charged with that because he gets rolled up from a robbery. Now, this is his stepdad, quote unquote, his stepdad after he robbed a Brinks truck with a couple other dudes, which ended in two police officers being murdered and one security guard being murdered. All right. So so let's stop for a second. Um, just put it on pause because this is in 1986, by the way, this is where I want to interject a little history because I believe that the other, one of the other mothers or one of the other females implicated in this is the mother of Chessa Boudin, who is the San Francisco DA. Wait, the current San Francisco DA, Chessa Boudin, unless he's been impeached, but Chessa Boudin is the San Francisco DA. His mom was the Black Panther involved in a conspiracy of a robbery of a Brinks truck where a police officer and a security guard were killed. Whoa. What? Yeah. That's insanity, dude. If Josh were here, I would have him Google it right now. Well, I mean, it doesn't, it sounds like you just Googled it from your old man brain. So I did. I'm going to believe that. Fuck yeah. That was rad. Uh, I got chills. You're welcome. Um, yeah, and there's uh, you know, Jada Pinkett Smith comes into this as well what? at some point. Yeah, is that his uh, aunt? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Um, yeah, but it, so basically, the history of Tupac or Leslie, um, Lassane, his real dad's name was Billy Garland, and uh, he took the surname from his his. Stepsister's father, Matuwu Shakar, he's the one that we were just talking about that gets arrested for the Brinks truck. And then he has another stepfather named Mo Prem. Uh, by the way, all of these big Black Panther activists, um, very anti-cop, oh, yeah. like hatred. But I mean, I guess like, you know, the 70s was the most violent era of our history. More cops were killed in the 70s than any other point in history. Matter of fact, Tyler... Your producer on Antihero Podcast, uh, I blew her away with that that stat. Yeah, so, I, if you talk to anybody in the NYPD, it was it was the Wild West in New York City in the seventies. There was it was just it was a war zone between and from what I've I've talked to two retired NYPD guys and they said it, but it was mainly the Black Panthers, just gun battle. It was a common thing. Yeah. It was it was a common thing, and there was a war at there was a war with cops back then, which is really crazy because I feel like we're dealing with that right now. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just like a the the unruly. Um, you know the, these kids are breaking into Philadelphia, these San Francisco yeah. stores and shops, just being absolutely lawless, and then complaining whenever any cop or anybody tries to stop it stop the lawlessness stop the chaos all of a sudden you're racist this is uh yeah this is where my my uh conspiracy brain always runs because i i think that that i i don't know if it's a three-letter agency or or what but i i think that they inject that into society i i think that they inject the disruptors like that into society that's that's why we saw like the riots in la or you know, I mean, I, I know what precipitated it, but I, but also it was carried forward and it was to undermine police and then police started getting hurt. So it undermined public safety, which made which created a reliance on the federal government for safety. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I really think that 
you know, when when they talk about crack being a CIA plant, like crack was a, the crack epidemic was essentially, you know, planted in L.A. by the CIA. Show me it. Show me it. it yeah, wasn't. there's always agitating actors, and for like the last ten years, they've almost been caught red-handed. Aside from being caught unmasked and revealed, if you do your research. Uh, every well, yeah, I mean the the Whitmore case, you know, where they where the yeah, FBI Gretchen had Whitmore. more, yeah, the Gretchen Whitmere case where they had more FBI agents trying to kidnap <laughs> Gretchen Whitmere than there were dumb re toothless rednecks. So I mean that was when they were caught red-handed. That was a complete instigation of of the Gretchen Whitmere case. I think January six is a really great example of an agitation. Again, I use the analogy for. For that, I used it on the anti-hero podcast episode, whereas it's like if I leave a DVD on the counter and I say, son, I'm going out to mow my yard. Don't look at that that DVD right there. It has nudity in it at the five minute and 35 second mark. Um, <laughs> there is a bodacious set of double D tatas on that film, but I'm going to be out on the loud lawnmower mowing the yard. And um, please don't watch that film while I'm out there. It's like I'm agitating him to, to look at the film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um but man, by by the way, I don't want to uh, sidetrack this too much, but th there was uh, that guy that I talked about a couple of weeks ago that's been given access to all the January sixth footage. Right. He he is coming out with amazing stuff, but you're you're never going to hear about it unless you seek it out. If you go to like Ivory Hecker's uh, YouTube page, she's had him on a couple times. Jason Whitlock has had him on a couple times. He has essentially debunked everything that Harry Dunn has said. Like Harry Dunn got to retire and wrote a book and he still screams that everybody said the N-word to him. In the most photographed and video video intensive event of the of the century, but nobody can track down the, the one time or the hundred times somebody said the N-word. Uh, it's kind of obvious that he made that up. And and all of these films support it, all of this documentation supports it. There's also a guy, by the way, in prison right now awaiting that will not plea and eric we need to do a breakdown on this who is a deputy sheriff from tennessee who was helping the cops but was indicted oh, and wow. witnessed witnessed a dc cop beat the shit out of a, a woman who was unconscious and she ended up dying we only hear about ashley babbitt we don't hear about this other lady she died on january 6 also holy crap, she was beat and she was already unconscious it's nothing that I'm just like making these outlandish claims. It's documented on video, but we're not yeah. hearing about it. You're not going to hear about that. And all you're going to hear about is Trump did this and Trump did that. And we destroyed all the evidence that we had to support it. Very interesting. I know we mentioned uh, the Jada Pinkett Smith stuff, by the way, with the before we got sidetracked. Um, and I'll just read this. This is from Biography. Com. It says in 1984, uh, Tupac's family moved to Baltimore and, and he enrolled at the prestigious Baltimore School of the Arts, where he said he was the freest he ever felt. And this was also where Tupac met uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. He wrote poems about her. He had a cameo her in his video strictly for my. Can I read the name of the song? If it's got yeah, the N word. Uh oh, no, it's a hard R. Yeah, it's a, it's the song is called Strictly for My Igaz uh, with a Z Z Z Z Z. Um, I'll spell it. Am I allowed to spell it? This is also confusing. Um, 
God, that's so unfair. Why put that in the title and make somebody like a like a journalist? <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if it's like. It was like his poem to Jada. She was Jada Pinkett then. She wasn't Jada Pinkett Smith until she right. Jada Smith, Pinkett. Right? Yeah. So I wonder if it was like, you know, you're so beautiful for you. I want to stare, but I'm trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with your hair. In another well, life, Drew is a rapper. Was, Dude, when <laughs> she met, the, listen to this. When she met, when she told reporters that when she met Tupac, she was a drug dealer. That's kind of hot. Yeah. Dude, Will Smith. She was a drug dealer. They were also, but you know what? Tupac was uh, was slinging dope too. And so was Biggie. And they all ran with lots, like they all ran with, with gangs. Tupac ran with Bloods and no, I'm sorry. Tupac ran. Yeah. Tupac ran with. Yeah. The Pyro. With the Bloods and, and uh, Biggie Smalls ran with the Crips. Um, but uh, where he was at in Baltimore, it was riddled by crime, and uh, his family had to move to Marion City, California, and which was even more of a ghetto kind of situation, which is crazy. I just went to Baltimore for my very first time and went to a skate park there, and there was literally a gang inside the skate park that was starting to run from what they thought was going to be a drive-by at 9 p.m., which is when I gathered my kids and put them in a car and we drove all the way back to North Carolina and got home at 4 a.m. Because I was like, I'm not even going to fucking stay in this town. Like, um, my kids' lives flashed before my eyes. This car was creeping up. All the gang members started like hauling ass, trying to like figure out if they were going to take cover or not. Just and then they were honest. All, and then they were clowning on each other. They're like, yo, you thought we were about to get shot up. You thought we were going to get ran up on. He was like, play, you was, you was thinking it too. And he's like, I ain't going to lie. I don't want to get shot tonight. And I was like, Oh my god! So that's like a real thing. Like we are all just like that could have been a real th- like no. I'm getting my kids. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Um, but he uh, jumped up into uh, you know he he went over to California, and life doesn't get better for him there at all. He gets wrapped up into a a um a situation where he <laughs> he's jaywalking. And he gets picked up by the police for jaywalking, but then he, there's a civil suit because I guess he got in a fight with the cops. And 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 I've read this whole story about Tupac. And you know, I don't know, man. Maybe the early '90s was a different time for cops, but I, you know, cops don't beat the shit out of black people because they're black. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no race where it's like, oh, we're gonna beat your ass because you're black. Usually, if a cop is beating your ass, it's because you've done something to royally piss that cop off and it has and nothing have, to do with the color of your skin well you have like, to be black and, and you can blame that because it was different in la you know for quite a long time but and yeah i mean you know there's probably even truth to uh what was that uh uh the the ice cube movie uh straight out of Compton. where yeah straight out of Compton, where where where, the, where they felt that they were targeted and blah 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 but the beatings weren't like, well, we're just going to go find some blacks and beat them. It was, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go wrestle up some gang members who happen to be black. And yeah, they the gang members are then in turn going to say, well, you obviously. Beat well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I'll say as a police officer, it gets very frustrating sometimes um, of, of how much leeway gang members have. And there are nights where you get with all of your police homies since to stay on theme today and you say like dude let's go roll up some gang members tonight like 
And it usually happens after a stabbing that's a little bit emotional for the cop or a shooting that's emotional for the cop where you've just had enough. And you're like, anybody want to go fuck with some gang members tonight? And you get two or three cops. You're like, yeah, dude, I'm down. Like, let's go. Let's go roll some up. And then you, you kind of you go out. It has nothing to do with the color of their skin. It has everything to do with the fact that they're doing the same thing night after night after night after night. They're not in jail. They're not in prison. And they are the menaces to society. They're the ones that are out fucking shit up at one, two, three o'clock in the morning with several victims that nobody seems to care about. Nobody seems to, to care about all the people that got robbed over the nights or, you know, the people's cars who got broken throughout the night. Nobody really cares about their feelings or, um, or, or the people. What often gets neglected is the fear of the, of the guy at the skate park with his four young or three young boys. Right, that, that yeah. is going to be right in the crossfire of a, of a gang shooting. Like everyone's so protective of the criminal, the criminal's rights, and the color of the criminal's skin, but you're forgetting about the majority of us out here who just want to go to the skate park at night in Baltimore and not have to worry about a car creeping through the neighborhood. Right, and it's like you guys aren't even there skating, so you're bringing this heat to a place that you're not even using it for what it's supposed to be used to. So like, if anything, we should all rise up against the gang members. I got one for you. Um, Tyler, I've been wanting to say this for a long time. Uh, all the punk rockers and the punk rock world, I go to a lot of punk rock shows, a lot of hardcore shows and heavy metal shows. And I love seeing all the anti swastikas just out in the open, big giant swastika with the red circle and an X through the swastika. Um, all these little nerds wearing this around. Do you know why those nerds wear that? I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's like saying like, I'm against AIDS. Like we're all against AIDS. You don't need to tell me you're anti-Nazi. Right. But you know why they do it? No. Do you know why they chose that one to be like, because there aren't any. Because there aren't any fucking Nazis yeah. Yeah. anywhere around. Right. Like they don't the have Nazis a, a are stuck in their trailers out in the middle of bumfuck country nowhere. Not in big city Baltimore at the punk rock show. So they, they don't feel have a big like, uh, red bandana with an X through it. In other words. Yeah, when's the last time you you met a Nazi? I've never met when, a Nazi. I've never met one, dude. I've never like, and I've lived in St. Augustine, Florida, which was like 200% white growing up. Still never met a Nazi. Yeah, and I get, live in Johnson get, County, which is supposedly the, the, the KKK capital of North Carolina. I haven't met one that's come out and been like, yeah, I was KKK. Like, yeah, get I haven't met one that was good. Get with Kendra about the history of the Nazis in the punk scene in like the seventies, I think, and it was in the Britain. It had nothing to do with us, and yeah, nothing that's why it's us. a. It's like wearing a cup pot. It's like wearing a Sex Pistols T-shirt, and you're like, oh, it just represents punk rock. You don't even really have to know who they are. And I think the anti-Nazi thing, we get way sidetracked, but that's why no, punks it's, no. We're, I'm going to bring it back in it's because relevant. it's relevant because. If they really cared, if these punk rockers, they really cared about oppressors, when's the last time you met a Crip gang member? When's the last time you saw a Crip gang member in the open? I saw one two days ago. New Bern Avenue. I saw four of them. Blue bandana, blue flags, hanging out their back pocket, blue belt, blue laces, blue baseball cap, uh, 
casually strolling across the four lane intersection and eyeballing everybody as if they better fucking stop while they jaywalk across the four lane intersection. And my wife was furious. She was like, honk your horn. I was like, no, cause that fucking guy's got a gun, <laughs> right. but they act like they rule the town. They are the menaces of society. If you're a real badass punk rocker, if you're a real badass skater and you're a tough guy, shouldn't be wearing an anti swastika patch. You should put like a fucking blue flag around your boot and walk around on it. If you're a real tough guy, but you don't cause you know, you'll get fucking shot for that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, go out and yeah. wear an anti-Hell's Angels patch. You know, those guys have <laughs> oppressed way more people in the last 10 years than any Nazi has done. <laughs> the Bloods, the Cribs, you know, you won't, they won't do it because they're not about that fight life, dog. They ain't really about that life. They're about so going to their punk rock show with their black fingernails painted. They're they're punk-ish. No, yeah. they're, 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 virtue not, they're, they're virtue signalers. They're virtue signalers. It's the full definition of virtue signaling. Like there's no substance behind what they do, and half of them there's no. If there was a real Nazi, they wouldn't be fucking able to beat the shit out of them. Like this is a dude who spends six hours a day on their hair, whereas a fucking real Nazi probably spends six <laughs> hours a day punching a punching bag. You yeah. know what well, I'm saying? Like yeah, because off. they have you no hair. Don't stand they're, a chance. They're literally <laughs> they have no hair. <laughs> <laughs> they're literally. I don't have anything to do. <laughs> right, so I might as well punch this bag. <laughs> so these Crip gang members that we're all celebrating, and we wear their music, and we wear their T-shirts um, on our. You know, I, I I can't tell you how many white kids I saw at the mall uh, uh, last time I went with their little Tupac shirts and their, you know, with the Tupac bandana and all these things, you know. And, you know, but these are the guys that are out there oppressing people in real life. I mean, these are the ones that are stealing. These are the ones that are selling the fentanyl. These are the ones that are selling the, the cocaine and the crack and feeding the addiction um, of a nation. I, I mean, these are not good people they're not doing good things in your community no way no how in august of 1992 tupac was attacked by um by a kid in uh, marion city and so here's the thing about this um this was from what i, I i've heard two different stories on it but there was two off-duty cops and the two off-duty cops were almost hit by a car who was driving erratically. And so they threw their hands up. And the car gets over, pulls over, and... Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. This this is a, this is a different story, but it's, a, it's still Tupac. But anyway, let me rewind to 1992. Tupac gets in a fight with some kid. They get to, to swing and blows, and he allegedly drops his firearm. And a bystander, quote-unquote picks up the gun and it went off. That's how every article about this incident is written that Tupac, because this makes all the sense in the world. Tupac pulls out his gun while fighting another person and he drops it. And somebody else, uncooperating witnesses, we don't know who picks up the gun and it goes off and it happens to hit a six year old kid in the forehead and kill him. Damn. So he caught a one eight seven. <laughs> Jesus! Oh, nothing yeah. funny about a six-year-old. That's not. It's, no, it's it not. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. but that did happen. Well, there was an FBI agent breakdancing in a club, and his gun fell oh. out and it went off. So, yeah, didn't yeah. kill any kids, but yeah, yeah, I didn't. Kill did anybody. not kill any kids, and the whole world knew about it. But I mean, what are the odds here? Like, what do you think the probability of this story is that Tupac Shakur didn't take a shot at somebody? And miss and hit a fucking six-year-old kid. Like, there's no cooperating witnesses. 
Yeah, he was just becoming popular, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't full-blown popular yet. So, anyway, the kid's name was Kweed Kawad, K-Q-A hyphen, no, Q-A apostrophe I-D, quad. We did say Kweed, right? Kweed? Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know. Kweed? Kweed. Kwaid, Kwaid, I don't know. Kwaid, Walter this whole segment Teal. could be a clip in itself. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Dude, Eric pronounces come on, like, I love it. Yeah, I don't know. Queed Walker Teal, um, Walker hyphen Teal. Man, this is a tough name, dude. Yeah, Poor I, kid. I'll give you credit. Poor kid, all the way around. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he was dropped dead, shot right in the skull. Um, Tupac wasn't charged for the death, but he was, um, there was a civil case brought up against him. And at the time, uh, it was settled in court after an unnamed record company bailed it out, bailed him out on it. So it was a 300 to $500,000 settlement paid by, uh, probably row? death row records, Probably death row records, but all the, the, the records are sealed, so we, we don't really know. But, I mean, here you have Tupac, who literally is involved in his first real big fight, and he goes right for a gun that he just drops, and somebody else picks it up, and it accidentally goes off, and it kills a kid. In October 93, Tupac shot and wounded two off-duty cops, so a year later... These two cops, is the way the story goes, are almost hit by a car. They throw up their arms like, what the fuck? The cops, the car is full of gang members. Now, the cops are off duty. They're just chilling. They've been out drinking at the bar. Well, these gang members pull up and they start mouthing off to the cops. So an altercation uh, begins and Tupac sees it. And his car with all his group of homies, they stop. And now it's starting to get really ramped up. And so the cops pull out a gun and tell everybody to back off and Tupac pulls out his gun and shoots both cops, one in the ass and one in the stomach. Now both parties get off of this because the cops were drunk and the guns that the cops had were stolen. <laughs> what? Oh shit. Well, the, the cops had gotten two guns out of evidence and were just carrying around in 1993 guns Man, that were I, I... stolen. I and wish they I was were... a cop back then. It was just a written reprimand. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Put it back. Tyler, put it back. And, and all the ammo. <laughs> now, Tupac notes that the case illustrated the misrepresentation of black people in America and that the attitude that some police has toward them. Now, I don't know the whole story, but I have a feeling that maybe these two cops were in a position that I was in on New Bern Avenue the other day where four Crip gang members stopped all of traffic on four lanes to casually and mosley walk by and mean mug everybody while the youngest boy, who looked like about 14 or 15 years old, held onto his crotch where I could see the outline of a cannon um, in his crotch area. So these kids were walking around waiting for a motherfucker to say something so that they could wave a gun in their faces just like we see all the uh, violent crime. Matter of fact, a statistic just got put out in Washington, D.C. that that violent crime and homicides are up 38 percent right now. And they are struggling to figure out what to do with this uh, immense gun violence going on in Washington, D.C. So it's kind of like we're almost going back in time, like we've forgotten history. We're just allowing people to kind of be lawless. These cops probably 
we're drunk um, and they were tired of the lawless behavior and that liquid courage had them standing up to these gang members and start a war because there is a war between gang members and cops. There is, there always has been, and there always will be. It has nothing to do with the color of anybody's skin, but cops are genuinely, you work around gang members long enough and you become very tired of their bullshit very quickly. They're disrespectful. Um, and they're asking, yeah, it, it, it literally gets back to what you were saying, just in, in, in straight out of Compton, the same same you know situation they they just want to operate and do their business and do their dirty work and and be dirty and cops detest that nobody can stand that so yes there is a war between the two like it's it's literally good but we all stand on the side of the tupacs who have in some way or another killed a six-year-old child yeah right who have shot two cops and is an self-proclaimed drug dealer and gang member, affiliated yeah. gang member. But we all think that this is really cool, and we're always going to believe Tupac's story. We're never going to believe anybody else's story but Tupac's. Here's, here's we don't believe that too. Tupac shot the six-year-old. We don't believe that it was Tupac's fault that he got in, in the fight with the cops. In 1994, he assaults uh, a movie director, Alan Hughes. He got fired from the set Menace to Society. Um, he was being an asshole on set, but he went after uh, Alan Hughes with a baseball bat and he actually strikes Alan Hughes and he gets not only fired, um, but he gets some jail time for that. He gets, uh, in 1995. So now if you go back and do the math here, 92, six year old gets shot. 93, two cops get shot. 94, he gets fired uh, from a movie deal and gets arrested. And then in 1995, he uh, gets a blowy from a girl at the nightclub who then he invites back to his New York Parker hotel. And, um, she got and there's a forcible rape. Now this was in 1995 that she came out with it. This incident actually happened in 1993. Um, but she comes out with saying that, Hey, this Tupac guy who's getting very rich and very famous and everybody's starting to really, really like him. Um, for all the mo- the music that he's starting to release and he's becoming wildly popular very quick. Hey, this same guy that you guys all love. Um, yeah, I blew him in a nightclub, but then he invites me back to his hotel room where I get gang raped by all of his friends. Literally. And literally gang raped, um, sodomized the whole nine yards. She says that they came at her like monsters. Um, he gets, sentenced to four and a half years of jail time for sexually for sexually assaulting him but he gets out early and he gets um bailed out on a 1.3 million dollar bond for a three song uh deal with death row records go figure suge knight so while Tupac was in prison on the rape charges, he was visited by Suge Knight, the notorious head of Death Row Records. Again, this is coming from biography.com. Knight offered to post a $1.3 million bail Tupac needed to be released, but pending his appeal, the condition was that Tupac was to sign on with Death Row Records. Um, and then he released the uh, high security. He was released from the high security prison in New York in 95. And um, yeah, man, just... Crazy. Now, Tupac will tell everybody, he'll tell Vanity Fair and everybody else that he wasn't a part of the rape, that it was his fault and it was his responsibility that his that he got her up there and that he should have made sure that his friends didn't do that to her. But he wasn't there when when they did it. 
So this guy's got an excuse for everything. Just getting back to what you were saying, like this is him on the right of your screen, obviously Tupac with the blue colors, you know, the, the crip colors. That's Keith D on the left. That's the one that admitted to handing the gun that ended up killing him. And then we, you know, we canonize people like this during the Super Bowl. Um, that that's pure gang color. Like th- there's no two ways about it. That's Snoop Dogg, and and he's <laughs> in front of millions, telling everybody, projecting to everybody, I, I am part of the Crips. Dude, like, it, and, and that's crazy because Lil Wayne kind of does the same thing with the Bloods. Yeah, you know he's yeah, what, always what, repping red everything. What's your guys' take on? Uh gangs actually using celebrities and musicians well musicians using lightly but celebrities and and rappers you know bringing them in and using them as the face of their because you know i know for a fact none of these rappers are in there putting in work they're they're well i think tupac's a little bit different and and you said it in the beginning also tyler think about it i mean he he didn't give a fuck he was down for the gang it it seemed like yeah i think once you go to the point where the gun falls out and kills a six-year-old you're still committed to the gang you're still committed to the gang i i think that just just me talking and uh i i don't have the physical evidence for this obviously death row records was just a money laundering operation and they were making tons of dough they, they were making a ton of cash so they were legitimately selling records and producing hits, but they were also probably mixed in other nefarious activities where they had to hide money and, and that's how they did it. So I, I think that, yeah, there probably are fronts for, um, you, you know, they're probably the face of the gang or whatever to, for recruitment purposes or whatever. Yeah. I mean, these celebrities are still putting in work too. look at Ray Lewis. I mean, just cause Ray Lewis was the driver and he didn't know that the dude was going to come on. Like, yeah, that's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like these guys, yeah. a lot of these guys are still putting in some work. And I, that's, that's a question to me is like, why is it, why are they so concerned with, with this gang? Like it, it, it and, and hell's angels are no different. And, and the Hells Angels are the same thing. I was at a veterans golfing event last year and Hells Angel had bought and sponsored a hole at this very fancy, nice gathering with lots of wine and a great dinner. And it's a veterans thing. And it was very highly funded. I, I think like Edward Jones had put in like $500,000 or something to this event, $300,000 to this event. I, it was massive amounts of money going on at this event. And then you have, a rep at one of the holes is Hell's Angels with the ball ping hammer and everything on their on their vest. And I called them out on it. I had just a couple of beers in. And I was like, what business do you guys have here? Like, oh, we're big supporters of veterans and can't believe everything the media says about us. And I was like, you literally have a ball ping hammer on your fucking jacket. Like that ball ping hammer only stands for violence. It doesn't stand for anything else. You know, it's not like a Boy Scout merit badge. Like you're literally yeah. wearing something that says, I've put in work for for the Hell's Angels. I've created. I violence. know OMGs are a lot more prominent in uh, Hillsborough than they are in in Orange County. So, but yeah, we don't when they come through, they come through. But they're always wearing um, Tampa uh, rockers. Yeah, there, there's plenty of outlaws here, and there's a bunch of duck clubs uh, for the outlaws here. Uh, we don't really have that many Hell's Angels. I haven't really seen any. They were said to be uh, creating a lot up here. 
we, we yeah. they were said to be creating a, a network of businesses in south south florida like in miami and such but i don't know um but uh just and i've been out of it for quite a while mind you but uh, yeah, there was there was an Outlaws uh, headquarters right here in city of Tampa proper. It was originally in Hillsborough County when I was in intelligence. Uh, we had meetings with with people within, um, and eventually they moved their operations to the city of Tampa. Then a big indictment came out, and um, they, uh, the 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 FBI actually and FBI uh, FBI Jacksonville actually indicted a bunch of people. They owned a strip club right here on Adamo drive in, in, uh, in Tampa. And, um, they, they indicted a bunch of people from let that. Me, so that clubhouse is closed. Eric, let me it, ask it, you moved, this. It, I'm sorry. It, by the way, it moved to city and it was subsequently firebombed within a year or a year and a half. So, oh yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. I just have, so uh, I've noticed a lot of gang units, right? When I caught in law enforcement, I thought gang units were guys with beards, backward hats, tack vests, going out there kicking the shit out of people. It turns out gang units are more intel. Yeah, yeah well, and and they're more disruptors. They've kind of like they're they're almost like shot callers, where they're they're shot calling to the street cops, where it's like, hey, a little sweezy on yeah. you know Cross and Fisher, he needs to he needs to go to jail right now because he's pulling some strings for so and so and that's going to start a gang war so if you guys can wrap him up for anything let it like yeah. get him you know what so i mean I, like I, I was the sergeant of a gang unit so the, the, there are two and by the way our gang unit consisted of four detectives and it, it, like there's no it was playing whack-a-mole there's no way to to keep <laughs> it so you can't be a gang enforcement unit um with four detectives it's not going to happen uh, because we had a bunch of other functions in that unit anyway. We had like prescription pills and all this other stuff. Uh, you could be a gang intelligence unit, however, and you could put together, you know, um, like substantial like RICO investigations and stuff like that. We worked a lot with um, Customs and Border Patrol. Um, uh, that's not the right agency. I'm trying to, it's an immigrant, um, whatever it used to be called. We worked a lot with them because, <clears throat> excuse me, they're like, you know, Sir 13 and, and other gang members that were here illegally that they'd been chasing for years and years that they had deported over and over again, but were here committing more crimes. So, you know, this was back when they could focus on stuff like that, when they were allowed to actually uh, focus on stuff like, you know, people being here illegally and committing crime while they were here. But you're right. There, there's a gang enforcement unit in a lot of like some places called them crash out in LA or something like that. And then there's gang intelligence. We were more gang intelligence. We just wanted to know like all about it. And, and the, the four guys I had were amazing. Like they, they developed uh, sources from department of corrections and they put together a nice Rico that never, that never materialized for one reason or another, but of um the uh um the name escapes me but it's a florida state prison gang that is basically like um like the google of gangs so when you when you enter into uh florida state prison you're you're not a blood or a crip anymore you're kind of in this one little you're, you're in this gang especially if you're a black male when you go back out you go back to your own little departments i guess your own little gangs uh, but you uh, and and you still have it's called uh, money, power, respect, NPR. You you have um, you, you still like are, how does that happen? How does that work? Like 
Yo, Tyler Drew, uh, I'm starting this gang, dude. It's called NPR, Money, Power, Respect. Are you guys just like, yo. It'd be what? like NPR, like the government uh, broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the government Eric, subsidized Eric. broadcast. No, NPR. It's all about it's all about the pitch, man. You got me, Eric. So bro, you I mean, wanna, yeah, <laughs> but like I don't have a stupid name like money, power, respect. Like yeah, you there know was, what I'm saying? Like yo, NPR, dog. and there was another there was another part streets. But the, but they they developed I think like right here in the Tampa area and then it just blew up from there. And you know, I don't know if this is nationwide now or what, but um so essentially how the game worked is like you were if you were black and in a gang, you fell under NPR while you were in. When you got out, you went back to your own, you know, like home improvement, electronics. You went to your own little, you know, subset or your own gang that that still had rivalry with everybody else. You just couldn't shoot or kill somebody else from NPR. You had to hold respect for them. So you, you could shoot or kill people in the rival gang, just not somebody you served with. You, you see what I'm saying? It's very intricate. Dude, I love it how many fucking rules are in all these gangs. Like yeah. whenever you you roll these guys up and you get their little diaries, which they all have, which is yeah. so juvenile and so not tough guy. Um, but they have their little journals and you read them and it's like Dude, I will, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's it's like, you know, I were, you know, I don't want to get G checked. So G checked history lessons. And it's like they gotta memorize all this stuff. Like, God, it must suck being a slave. Right. To like three somebody else, like the Hell's Angels, like you can't ride your, your bicycle, you can't ride your motorcycle alone, and you can't ride your motorcycle on the highway under a hundred miles an hour, and you can't have a motorcycle that's not a Harley Davidson, and you can't. It's like, man, that's a lot of shit that you're agreeing a lot to of do. Rules. Like yeah. that's a, a lot, lot of rules that you're. Rebels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're a, you you're know. an out. You're an outsider. You're you know, like you said, you're a rebel. You know, you don't abide by the laws except for that giant book that you gotta abide by. <laughs> and those meetings that you have to attend, and these people <laughs> that you have to beat up, like grow up, dudes. Or like, oh, you can't pass another <laughs> motorcyclist that has a patch on. Bitch, I'll pass whoever I want. And if he comes over there and he kicks my bike, I'll shoot him dead, just like I'll shoot anybody else dead. You know, as long it's as he's crazy. using his turn signal, I don't care. <laughs> right uh it's so gnarly like uh I, i've been watching these things on tiktok and by the way like nobody has any respect for you motorcycle club gang members if you're on tiktok it's just like the military like we've all lost all respect for the military and police officers if you're on tiktok like i don't care how tactical cool your outfit is and your little sidebar draw your side draw k-bar and all the little dumb trinkets you got on your uniform if you're on tiktok i fucking hate you and i will run from you if you pull me over so does Hell's Angels have TikTok cops? Like yes, they're like Dude, yeah, bro, they yeah. do. They they're like, this is what happens when you pass Hell's Angels on the road and yeah, like, like they play this little video and like this one dude he's all like tatted up and he's like some people ask me about uh when what to do when you're encountered with a hell's angels at the gas station be polite and be courteous and they'll be the same to you but just know that uh if you want to give them smoke that they're gonna bring it to you so the best thing to do is treat them do with you, respect. It's like they're like PSAs for the fucking Hell's Angel. Do you think the Tylers and the uh, and the Eric's are sitting at the clubhouse making fun of the TikTok TikTok Hell's Angels? You know what I'm saying? No. They're like, I hope so. Yes, they're they like, are. Look at him, man. He's fucking. He's bringing this fucking profession down. Like he's fucking. Yeah. Look at him. He's all pretty with his hair, and he's got his fucking side saddle bag. But and, the the issue with those guys is they can't call out their own. That's again, oh, right. you know, they can't look ununified. Yeah, exactly. So they sit there at their clubhouse and they're like fucking D 
douche canoe over here that's 22 <laughs> years old and got patched in when he shouldn't have been patched in because he didn't pay his dues. And but they like me and you guys, I can't. We can call each. We can call out cops all day long because you know we're yeah. we're not binded by some kind of weird fake brotherhood that just wants us to make like <laughs> wants us to feel included in something. You know, we actually earned a brotherhood. So. Our, our bylaws essentially consist of, will you jump in front of a bullet for me? Because I will for you. Yeah. Don't snitch on me and I. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Which is how uh, we got to the Tupac. I, I mean, you know, getting back to it, like, you know, I have the press conference. It's like four minutes long. I, I, I chopped it down, but they knew all of the information <laughs> that they used in that indictment back in like 1997. Yeah, the, 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 nothing really new came. The only thing that came was the corroboration because this guy wrote a book. He gave a proffer in, by the way, a PCP case. So, you know, he was a PCP dealer. Well, hold on. And, before we go all there, before we go okay. into that, like really fast. Okay. Um, one, do you smell that? Do you smell the pumpkin spice floating through the air? Uh, fellas, if you can't smell the pumpkin spice in the air, you haven't heard it's fresh face fall and nobody else can give your face the love it needs other than our friends at manscaped.com. The folks who change below your belt are here to help with that brand new handyman electric face shaver designed to give your face that smooth finish without a mess of a wet shave. It's the perfect tool for men with all beard length, whether you're uh, lining up your neck, lining, getting those lines, um, or you like taking it all off to feel that autumn breeze, that fresh fall breeze on your face. Make sure to join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Offer Head over to manscaped.com and use the promo code Wolfpack. Get you that 20% off plus your free shipping. Uh, don't be a bad apple this year. Choose Manscaped. Listen, when you're bobbing for apples, it's a lot easier when you don't have all the facial hair. Um, you got the, it's got the, the handyman's got the skin safe technology helps reduce his Nick's cuts. Listen, I hung out with Bryant yesterday, big trucker fan. He was coming through with his big rig, stopped by to say hi and get a selfie. He could use this featuring their signature <laughs> beard hedger. The cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel oh. that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard, get 20 different beard lengths and just one guard. The beard hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-sized package with long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. Trust me, gents, you can't go wrong. 20% off plus free shipping. Promo code WOLFPACK at manscaped.com. Promo code WOLFPACK. Um, all right, listen, so let's go ahead and get into the feud really quick. We'll wrap, start wrapping this thing up, but we're going to get to the meat and potatoes, the fun part of this whole story. So... All at the same time, you've got this, you know, you, you got Tupac. He's a thug, man. And he's he's got thug life tattooed on his on his belly. Kind of gives um, it away. What, what's your feeling on belly tattoos? <laughs> wait, wait. Well, gonna... They run out of ink on me. Man, be- <laughs> belly I'm tattoos not shocked are by so that cool. Huh? Does it say hug life? No, I I do really. I have a, um, a, a Tupac style tattoo on my stomach. It's on my Instagram. Do you? Are you serious? What does it say? Yeah, grunt. Because <laughs> I was in the infantry. <laughs> oh my gay, Eric. Oh my gay. Whoa, I love that dude. tattoo, man. I love that tattoo. It's one of dude, my you tattoos. should. I've got a sea turtle. That's how cool I am. Um, but it's not on my belly. 
Jesus. Um, <laughs> well, he's got a really, he's a really tough belly tattoo. I arrested a guy one time. I've got the picture on my phone and he had a, a picture of a dude fucking another dude tattooed on his belly. And it says, fuck RPD. And he was talking shit to me one night and I was like, this coming. Oh, he, he called me a fag. And I said, this coming from a dude that has two dudes fucking tattooed on his stomach. And everybody went nuts. Like all the other gamers was like, oh, yo, yo. And he was like, man, fuck you, man. I was like, dude, you've got two dudes fucking on your uh, on your belly. And he's like, that's me fucking RPD. That's me fucking you, bitch. And I was like, and you don't think that's a little, <laughs> just a you little don't think weird. that's a little gay? Like, yeah, <laughs> just, you're definitely. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You're having an intimate moment with a. Your penis and a man's anus. I'll put the picture on our failure to stop Instagram. Make sure you guys go head over and follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Patreon. Get tons of extra content over on Patreon. But if you if you're really interested in that picture, I'm going to put it up on the uh, failure to stop. Um, on thanks, I'll put a picture of two Tupac. Scroll past that picture and you'll see a picture of this guy's belly. So you can do that. Lots of people in the chats saying they like my by nom by demonics shirt uh that was from redpillthreads.com redpillthreads.com hooking me up with the by demonics t-shirt so thanks for the shout out there in the live chats but um what we have right now is we have this thug uh tupac shakur and um and then you got biggie smalls and uh you know both uh, biggie smalls and tupac were both born in new york correct yes so i don't know how this is west coast versus east coast at this point aside from one aside, aside from biggie Signing with P Diddy on the East yeah, Coast. Yeah, so yeah, so it's more Death Row versus versus uh, what's the what was uh, Bad Boy Records. Bad Boy, which by the way, like that goes and tells you a lot about these record companies. Death Row Records, like wow, that sounds encouraging and inspirational. Like I know that this guy wrote the the Changes song, and we all use that as inspiration. But I don't feel like Tupac wanted anything to do with changing anything. Matter of fact, he threw out gang symbols in every single picture, middle fingers in every single picture, and was beating everybody's ass all the time for for any kind of disrespect of any sort. So I'm not sure what changes this guy really wanted. I mean, I'm not going to deny talent. He's an amazing talent. Like, Eminem's an amazing talent, just the way he can float, you know, like the way he's... But this is basically prison poetry. I mean, like... If you really get down to it, he's using a Bruce Hornsby in the range song to convey his message. You see what I'm saying? Like that's to me, that's not hardcore. That's not gangsta. Uh, that's just the way it is. It's it's that's you know it's Bruce Hornsby in the fucking range. Uh, but it's also an iconic song. I get that, and and the way he, you know, his. Uh, pentameter or whatever like his timber his tone it's amazing it's mesmerizing what's the song you're referencing drew the way it is oh Oh, so he used a sample from an original song yeah it was uh bruce hornsby in the range that's just the way it is some things will never change so somebody said that tupac was also racist um i won't argue with that because he hooked up with madonna and was dating Madonna, but then he dumped her while she was in prison. And when he dumped her, he said, it's not because he said for you, this is good for your career because you're a white woman dating a black man. And that makes you seem open-minded and everybody is really into that right now. Oh, Tupac said that. 
But he says, if I date you, my culture is not ready for that. And it'll hurt my career. And it'll go against everybody that supports me. So he's basically saying, sorry, Madonna, I have to break up with you because you're white. And my culture doesn't date white people. That sounds pretty racist. That sounds really fucking racist to me. Damn it. I was hoping you would argue. I, I'm like, I, okay. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not affected by it either way. I, I'm fine. Yeah. If he hates white people, I'm fine with that. Yes. Um, tactical dude says, I think his mom was a Black Panther. We've already been through this. Yes. And then she, yeah, he showed up she started That's dating fine. with a dude uh, that killed some cops. So, um, yeah, he definitely has a, a pretty pretty significant past also he's multiple arrests for assaults and living this life so anyway um tupac signs with with death row records biggie is with um p diddy and they're in new york at a recording studio and five dudes break into the recording studio um they beat up and shoot tupac and for thirty five thousand dollars in cash uh here's the scoop on that um now Tupac will go and say he thinks it was Biggie's people. <clears throat> Biggie went to the hospital and adamantly like was like, yo, we had nothing to do with this. You know, we were recording, you were recording. Um, I think it has to do with Tupac could not stop running his mouth against gang members and was put out the word on the street that he was coming into New York, back into New York. And, um, and he's coming in heavy with $35,000 of cash on him. And so he walks in and he gets shot up and he's, and he gets stabbed and then he has to recover from that, but definitely another gang incident. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah. He claims it was a setup. He, that's, that's, you're exactly right. He claimed that whole thing was a setup because right. they, they, I think they took some, most of his money and some of his jewelry, but not all of it. So right. it was like, it wasn't what they reported it to be. It was the, the actual company, the, the recording studio somehow set him up let somebody know that he was going to be there and, and rob them. Right. So Biggie releases a film. I mean, a song called hit him up. And, uh, Tupac is, thinks this is about him. Biggie will go on to say that he'd wrote that song beforehand. I don't know if I believe that or not. Um, but either way, the first real big major diss track of all history, comes back in June of 1996. I'm sorry, Tupac released the the, the album hit him hit him up, um, and um and it goes after everybody, dude. It goes after his. It goes after Biggie's mom. Goes after Biggie's kids. Uh, it's it's a really ugly song that definitely <clears throat> definitely gonna piss some people off. Um, it's a great song. It's a nasty, <laughs> hateful song. It's yeah. a nasty, hateful song. If you're ever mad at somebody and you wish death on them, listen to that song and you'll feel good. Yeah. But like th those were the roots of of um, of hip hop. Like if you watch anything on hip hop culture, it was just diss tracks. I mean, that's that's all they did. They just kind of made fun of each other in these tracks, but it was never, you know, anything deadly or violent until it started developing on the West Coast. And then the West Coast was more about gang-based violence. And, and you know, it was their way of expressing, like, what they go through on daily life and how police just harass them and they have to duck because of drive-bys and blah, blah, blah. So it took a kind of a – hip-hop took kind of a violent turn. 
There's a pretty so, cool documentary that an NYPD detective, I think it's called Hip Hop Cop or something like that. But and it's older, it's quite older. Uh, but he he that was his sole job. His his job was uh, he was an intelligence detective. Oh, handled, yeah, he uh, seen something hip-hop. like that. And yeah, I also think cool. it's really funny that if you watch every single documentary on Tupac, every single one of them, it talks about police corruption, police corruption. This is all yeah. has to do with police corruption. <laughs> Not really. This has to do with Tupac just being a menace to society, honestly. Um, there's a mall scene where um, this happens in real life in a mall where I guess Suge Knight had presented everybody with a necklace so if you're part of death row records if you're part of the gang if you're a true crip you get this this medallion this jewel um, they were bloods weren't they I, i'm trying to figure this out uh no tupac was crip no because well, I, I was it the pyru bloods that pyrus yeah pyrus killed him okay or? so so tupac started out as a crip in new york but then when he joined Suge Knight, he became blood. Okay. Oh, and, and, and so you'll know also Pyru, Pyru's a street in LA or in Compton, but um, that was formed out of Crips. Uh, apparently Pyru's were Crips. They broke off and they became the bloods. I think that they were the, the legacy bloods and that, and bloods were formed from that. I don't know what the time. Oh yeah. 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 I think you're right. Yeah. So uh, Pyru, there, there's a there's a, an acronym for Pyru, pimps in red uniforms, P I R U. There's Pyru bloods here. There was uh, even in Tampa. I mean, they're man. They're still... You just you take the the guns and the killing out of it. This is straight like WWE storyline. You know, bro, isn't it? <laughs> turn on, turn on your tag team partner with a chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry. So the bloods uh, under Suge Knight were able to have these like little cool necklaces. And, um, and so this guy, Orlando uh, Davis, um, and he's going to play a big role into this. Orlando, um, goes into, gets in a fight with this guy at the mall and tries to steal this medallion and it doesn't really work out, but now they're in Vegas for a Mike Tyson fight. And this is where the story gets awesome. So (laughs) Orlando's just walking around the MGM and which is really nice if you haven't been there. And Tupac and Suge Knight catch wind that he's rolling around the MGM alone. And you can see all the security footage that Tupac is just walking way out ahead of his security. By the way, Tupac and Suge Knight go everywhere with these big, burly security blood gang member badasses, you know, whatever, death dealers, whatever you want to call them. But Tupac's out in front because he's the baddest, dude. He's been disrespected. Somebody came and tried to take the gang members token his little necklace and um you know it's like capture the flag and so he sucker punches orlando <laughs> in the middle of this club and then suge knight and all the other blood members start stomping this orlando character orlando gets up and does what any noble man will do he goes back to his little gang buddies and he was like i just got beat up by tupac me it's not fair and so um it, it gets back to Dwayne davis who's keffy davis keffy d and keith. that's gonna be or keith d <laughs> yo i'm gangster okay it's keffy keffy yeah well um, he's keith d. now that makes him israeli but if he if it's keith d, it's... <laughs> what if it's queef d <laughs> dude if i was a cop and i arrested this dude i'd be like uh, okay queef d queef d come on over here queef 
You'd be like, it's Yo, Keith. you're a rapper. Are you part of the Queef D boys? Queef that's what I said. Queef, come on, have a seat. He's like, it's Keef. No, that's what I said. Sit down, Queef. Um, yeah, Here's uh, if there's footage for you, Eric, too, by the way. Of the... Go ahead. You want to... Oh, here we go. Here's the stomping, the ass whooping. I mean, look at that, dude. Right in the middle of MGM. Yeah, that... Okay, so that you know, you'll see uh you'll see two pop little woman look at this chick. She's just, she's just enjoying looking at all the he, art he's sculptures like in this, in that the was MGM. Tupac right there. He's in this orangey silky shirt and he ends up getting right on top of him. That dude, that huge bo, dude bo, with the bo. brown suit, that's Suge Knight. Yeah, just and they are beating the beating fuck. the fucking it, bricks. Look at the security guard, he's like, Yo, yeah, I don't even know where to man. start fearless right and it does not appear that they're listening to what the security guard is asking <laughs> gentlemen we're going to ask you to please leave um, please stop we don't want no we don't want them trespassed right? there's no photography no photography yeah we want them trespassed yes right, so ahead. uh so orlando again now look this i want to blame all of this on um mike tyson because had he had not not knocked this dude out right. in like less than two minutes of the fight, like everybody'd still be at the fight at this point. I'm sorry, but, <laughs> but uh, the Mike Tyson fight, which was featuring Tupac's song, um, at the fight, that's why Tupac was there to begin with. So, you know, you've got this is basically you know, Crips and Bloods. The Crips know that Tupac's going to be there to have his song played, and they're there to ruin it. And at the mall, they try to snatch one of the you know, this is all just dumb gang shit. So, Tupac goes in there, lays waste to this dude. But the thing he doesn't know is that what he's fucking with is Orlando Davis and he's real deal crip. Like he has nothing to answer to. He has no record labels. He has no security guards. He has no money. He's a real deal crip gang member. That's all about that crip life. And I tell people this all the time, dude, like, like you get in a road raid incident, you need to be very careful who you're fucking with because these dude, there are some real deal hell's angels out there. There's some real deal bloods out there. There's some real deal crips out there. And they want nothing in life but to prove themselves, and they have zero to lose. Everything in their whole existence is about making the daddy they never had, the daddy president of whatever gang they are, proud of them. And they will fucking kill you. And that's and not think what, twice about it. That's what Keffy or Keith D was. He was the shot caller for the Southside Crips. So, so his whole life is about this shit. That was his nephew. Orlando, the, the one that they just kicked the shit out of was his nephew. Yeah, so, Orlando, yeah. So, yeah. So his role model, the whole nine yards. So, yeah, you're right. Like, that. that's like the, uh, that's double or triple disrespect, you know? Double, triple. And so he's yeah, like, right. dude, we're done with this. Get in the caddy. And so now these boys, they roll out to the club, um, which is Club 662, where, yeah, which is, which is the rotary phone for mob it's also owned by uh suge knight it's also owned by suge knight so they're waiting for tupac and them to get there but tupac gets pulled over by the police for loud music so now they get wait they get tired of waiting out front uh orlando and keith and all these these boys they get tired because now they're on the cameras too much everything's getting too long so the dudes are like fuck it let's bounce so they're they're out. They don't know where Tupac went and Suge Knight and all. They don't know where he went. And they're sitting at a four way intersection, and four cars go by, and some woman yells, "Oh my God, it's Tupac!" And Tupac hangs out the window. Yes. And that's when they're like, "Oh, there, there he is. is. <laughs> <laughs> there that motherfucker is." So Orlando's sitting in the back seat. Um, there's a driver. 
and then a, a guy is sitting right behind the driver and Keith Davis throws a Glock that he acquired from Vegas from a person um, for this, for this incident. So like there's a fight that goes out. This Keith dude gets into town, gets a fucking Glock. They get in the car and he throws the Glock into the back seat with Orlando and this other dude in the back seat. They pull up next to Tupac and they blow a bunch of rounds in there. Now, Everybody decides not to cooperate, including Suge Knight. Nobody right. saw anything. Suge Knight was already in trouble on his own, I think. Right. For some other things. Yeah. So he was so, not, he definitely was not going to cooperate. So there were nobody to, co- there was nobody to cooperate with this. Nobody saw nothing. So, you know, people are like, well, the cops, if this was a white person, it would have been solved really fast. No, that's not true. I, I, well, I think it would have been true because. Most of the time, I think anybody else besides gang members, which, you know, white people can't be Crips and Bloods, um, they wouldn't have been non-cooperative with the police. That's what I mean. Under the same circumstances, under the same scenario, it's not true. If nobody is cooperating, then you're you're never going to solve the case. As a matter of fact, three of the four people that were in the – 75% of the people that were in the car that shot into this, this BMW are dead. Orlando Davis, or what is he was killed, I think, two years later in a gang-related shooting. Uh, the, the driver is dead. The guy in the the back left of the Cadillac is dead. The he only was shot living to death member in a gang member. Uh, they in, were all they shooting. were all dead. They were all died by gang so shooting. Given the, the driver. So, given the same circumstances, if this were a white thing and these guys were all bound by their gangs and they weren't going to cooperate with police. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It's not going to get solved. If nobody's going to cooperate, it's not going to get solved. And in fact, the driver, uh, this guy that Keith D thought that he had immunity from this because he gave a proffer in that PCP case. So he thought, well, nobody could ever charge me with this. thing. So I'll just tell him, yeah, I wasn't the trigger man, but I was there. I gave my gun to my, I gave a gun to my nephew and he carried out the shooting. Right. Um, which, by the way, was, I mean, minutes um, after this beat hour, hour or so after this beatdown yeah. inside the MGM. So, like, the fact that people say this is a conspiracy and this is crazy and nobody knows who did it. I mean, everybody knew who did it, but the hatred for police um, and the loyalty to the gangs kind of was why they say And every single documentary you watch. It's always the cops are the racist and nobody wanted to solve this case because he was a black and because he was a rapper. Well, you're not wrong. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, if you're not going to cooperate with me at all, you're not going to show up to court. There's not going to be any witnesses. And yeah, I mean, if if that's what rappers do, then I guess, then I guess, yeah, the reason why your case isn't solved is because you're a rapper. And there's other cases, you know, with witnesses, with evidence that are going and that that is just a that's just a thing you know you can physically see cases that are solvable and cases that would could be solvable but they're not able to be solved because of lack of witnesses. oh hang on blue collar family who was just robbed at gunpoint and pistol whipped to death and died of a brain bleed <laughs> two months later as your wife and child watched you die and we have fingerprints and dna and footage and all your neighbors are being super cooperative and there's ring cameras we can't solve that crime right now 
because we have a rapper who fucking hates police, who has a history of shooting police and a fucking kid and raping women. And he's with this like super bad gang that doesn't do anything for society except bring them down. And they don't want to talk to us at all. They don't want this crime solved at all. And like, even they were like Tupac wouldn't wanted us to cooperate with you. So even him himself, so sorry, but we've got a lot of extra work to do because we have to solve this case. Yeah. If Tupac had made it through, he wouldn't have cooperated either. (laughs) So, so like there is no such thing as a low level murder. There's no, you know, the the old joke about misdemeanor murder, blah, blah, blah. But you're right in a sense, like if, if there's, if there's some kind of murder going on, that's a threat to a neighborhood or a threat to, society or you know you got a guy creeping around doing serial killings or whatever yeah that that's going to get full tilt the guys that are killing themselves uh it maybe it will get put on the back burner because but but it's it stands to reason that it's still going to be prosecuted because nobody wants a murderer running loose i mean this guy even though he admitted it and he claims he admitted it because he had terminal cancer which i guess he doesn't have terminal cancer anymore but he well, he's saying he he admitted it in the book that the uh, former detective wrote he admitted it in his own book um and and this is all against his his own well, and, best and interest it was, so it was in in 2021 everybody's like well how did it get sold now well he started going on podcast yeah and Tell like everyone. where you could see his face and telling everyone um he was just getting looser and looser and talking more shit and then they finally were able to piece together enough evidence that they're like yeah okay dude like we know you killed him now and and or you know because in vegas and nevada accessory to murder is the same charge as murder yeah, that's so, pretty much anywhere. Principal to murder. I mean, like it, it, it's yeah. it's as if you committed the murder. Yeah, and so um, you know, but now it's so funny because I really didn't realize how big of a dirtbag Tupac was until I investigated this case. You know, I thought maybe I thought maybe at one time he was a gang member, and then he you know went went on a good path. He didn't. His path was getting darker and darker, worse and worse, and it led to his death. I can't for the life of me think why people are so surprised by or shocked at this dirtbag's death in this case like the guy was a fucking menace to society i think like, i think the shock value shit to it, all day long the, the shock value to it is just for the 99.9 percent of people watching mtv in the 90s is that that was a face that they established that was that's like um john travolta getting killed in a drive-by shooting like to them that's entertainment they don't know that he's involved in all this gang stuff so and then on top of that then it went unsolved so it was just this huge weird story and of course any type of entertainment industry is going to take that and run with it you know so i think that's what's more you know i I think also across the nation like there are plenty of solved homicides where there's not enough either maybe not enough evidence, but definitely not enough to bring the, the case uh, proof beyond a reasonable doubt that you're going to be able to indict or convict somebody. So, you know, you got your share of people that have literally gotten away with murder because the evidence hasn't caught up with them yet or for whatever reason. And this was one of those cases. Like, finally, they were able to put it together. It just kind of goes to show you, though, like Las Vegas Metro PD hats off because they never gave up. Like, mm-hmm. if you have a cold case unit, everybody wonders what they've been doing all these years or what they're doing. But when you solve a cold case, it is a big deal. It's a huge relief to the family. It's a, it's justice for the the person that was killed. It doesn't matter if it was one day after or a hundred years after when you put somebody in prison for, for killing that person, 
Yeah, uh, I, I saw the press conference, and he was like, yeah. you know, for the family of the victim. And I'm sitting here going, I don't think Tupac's family was that good of people either. <laughs> but, right. Nah, there, maybe... there was a there was a press conference this morning where the DA, the uh, the district attorney was up there explaining why there was no arraignment this morning. It was an attorney issue. The, the, it's not a big deal. And, and some reporter from, she had an English accent. She was like, I talked to Tupac's brother yesterday. And he said, basically what Eric just said, if, if you were, if uh, th th this wasn't solved for so many years because Tupac was black, if you were a white guy, this would have been solved right away. And the DA was like, completely untrue. I mean, we're we don't look at the color of skin. We look at we look at evidence, and we look at the ability to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that somebody killed it. And all the evidence came together. And you know, me personally, I'm thinking, fuck. Twenty six years later, we got a guy in prison for fucking killing him. It's not like, you know, you you if you're not thankful or grateful, then just keep your fucking mouth shut. Like. Somebody killed Tupac Shakur or whatever his name is, Marion or whatever the fuck his name is. Lois somebody Lane. killed him in it took Lois Lane is Susan B. Empathy. And, and somebody eventually was arrested for it. It's it's not like society gave up on him and the police didn't give up on him because he was a black guy and all this other shit. Twenty-six years later, here we are talking about it because somebody still cared. Like yeah, still and, cared. And Las Vegas good for like you said hats off to them and, and when you can take a slam dunk like that like a popular case good for you because now that it, it, i don't know if it was essentially a black eye you know a, tupac was murdered in their city and they never solved it that could be a black eye to law enforcement sure. a celebrity dies in your city but so if i mean if i was a chief and they were like hey chief we got two cases we got a nobody with the same amount of evidence and we got tupac case with the same amount of evidence i'd be like We'll solve Tupac first because that's going to bring us more credibility. <laughs> right? <laughs> Can we get on the Tupac one, please? <laughs> yeah. Can we solve this already? Yeah, this is going to look really good for my shot at being a mayor after this. <laughs> In some other Steve Balboni's murder can wait. We're going to hold off on Steve Balboni's murder. <laughs> He's like, we've got Tupac over here, and we've got Joe Shalboni over here. How many followers does Tupac have on his Instagram? How many right. does Shalboni have? Let's do, let's, let's do Tupac because we can tag him. We can tag, <laughs> we him, can tag him. We can do a collab. We can get so many more followers. Hashtag Tupac. Because yeah, really, because really, our community squad, the TikTok videos are really down. Like nobody's really liking those dances anymore. So we need to. No, I'm just kidding. I shot a community policing there. Um, unsafe. Uh, 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 shameless plug there. Uh, let's. We have a bunch of people in the chat today. Tactical dude, uh, Carly. Um, I don't even know her name. Uh, community pleases uh, communism. Thank you. Those are the colors. Last known were. president. Thank you so much. Uh, Michael Hendricks, Kathy Anthony's of Tense Team, Reginald. Um, yeah, thank you guys all for being in the chats. There's a bunch more up there, but you guys are really getting after it. Uh, EV. Only they are beefing. Will there be distracts? Only if they are beefing, will there be distracts? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Brian W. No Vaseline is the best. I don't know. There's there's a lot of comments in here, so I can't. I think that's out of context. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I'm going way back up here. I was just trying to catch new people that might be in the chats. Really appreciate. It. I hope to see you guys uh, at the meetups. Get you a ghost bed pillow. Head over to Conservative Ant at Conservative Ant. Look at the new ghost bed video he just plugged. Also, OfficerPrivacy.com. Been pushing them really, really, really hard. Um, and this is so that uh, people don't know which club you go to. Surprise.com gets rid of that. They get rid of uh, where you live, where you go to the gym, where you go to the church. 
all those things. They're also they're also gonna maybe trying to get them to work on an inf influencerprivacy.com, which is the same exact thing that's for officers. It's just called something different um, because it doesn't erase you from the internet. It just er erases your pertinent information, your address, and all those things, so that when you're talking shit about the Hell's Angels or the Crips of the Bloods, <laughs> somebody doesn't drive by and shoot up your studio. Um, but listen, guys, you Hell's Angels that might hear this. Um, but here's a caveat to that. You blood gang members and your crypt gang members. We're talking to cops who already feel this way about you anyway. So um, we've all thought we've all thought as street cops that what you do is silly. I mean, do you do you boo? But uh, it's I mean, it's pretty silly to all you outlaw motorcycle gangs out there. Do you boo? Do you boo? I think it's silly. Keep doing those TikToks. They're great. Uh, almost as embarrassing as the police ones and the military ones. I maybe always comment we, every single one. Go maybe ahead. that's how we can break bread with these guys is that now we all just, we go to them and meet somewhere halfway in the middle and talk about how insanely annoying TikTokers are. Douchey. Yeah, douchey. <laughs> right. Like, no, so I think crying. we should do, I think we should do one of those um, dunking challenges where you pour the water over each other's heads. And be like, hey, we'll challenge. let you we'll let you pour a bucket on our head and you let us put a bucket on your head and we'll do like a TikTok y collab, you know, police and outlaw motorcycle games. They'll really unite the clans. I, um, I don't I, 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 I distinctly remember seeing a Michael Jackson video where they all broke out into dance. You know what I mean? They were getting ready to fight. Uh they obviously had beef, but they who, all who owns the TikTok, by the way, really quick. Who owns the TikTok? The uh cops of TikTok the Chinese TikTok. The Chinese. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. What? There's the, the TikTok that you guys are all following right now, um, and it's like cops of. It's an Instagram page, but it's called Cops of TikTok. No, no. Cops and they just TikTok. shame everybody on all the cops on TikTok. I think I may have even stolen that from uh, Antihero Podcast, but TikTok cops is just a. a I That's think a it. general term for the douche. Right, but <laughs> now there's know, an, there's an the Instagram page fucking... called that. Yeah, yeah. This one. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, What's it called? It, What's the official title? I want people to follow it. Anti underscore TikTok underscore cop 2.0. So I guess he had a, um, a page. <laughs> I mean, I guess social media will take you down if they think that you're anti-cop. Uh, oh, okay. I, yeah, I'll yeah, give right. social media that. But uh, but the, so the problem is when cops are calling out their own for being TikTok cops, it, you know, they have to make other pages because they get shut down because they think it's anti-cop, which it's not. We're just anti-cringe cop. Yeah, yeah anti-tiktok cop uh, and ironically uh, social media will take you down if you are just plain cop mm -hmm. <laughs> they just yeah. don't yeah push. we just don't want anything to do with cops at all <laughs> Basically, <laughs> right. well i mean have you I, i've never written a social media warrant so i'm not going to sit here and act like i have but uh the they get they i've heard that certain uh platforms are very like meta is very very hard to get uh, when you write a search warrant, they have a yeah, lot but of if things. You, that... I, I can tell you from experience, just from that Rico I was talking about at the beginning, when you do the search warrant right, it was back. It, it was Facebook back then. It wasn't Meta yet. But when you do the search warrant right, and their their legal section is fine with the compliance part of it, the stuff that you get back is fucking amazing. Like you, you, you don't need anything else because people do everything on that phone. Like it's, it's the attached, the apps that are attached. It's all the private messages. It's all the, you know what I mean? Like there is a plethora of information. In fact, 
I, I, I know this may sound shocking to all of you, but I was shut down by my administrator who told me, yeah, go ahead and do your stupid little search warrant on Facebook. It's going to, it's going to fucking tell you nothing. And I'm like, <laughs> I told the detective fucking do it now, get it done. And boom, it came back with volumes of incriminating information, like fucking full on Rico information. And that's how yeah, you I, uh, these cases. What's I that? just use uh, I just used a picture. I had a dude run from me in a stolen car, which I didn't care that all that much about, and was probably not going to bother with it too much. But then he posted a picture like ten minutes later on Facebook in front of a house with him giving me the middle finger and saying, "Come get me now, bitch." And uh, <laughs> I did all my research from that picture to figure out which house it was and everything, and I got a search warrant to go in the backyard of the house. Um, did you, you know, like to, to see if the car was in there? To tie it and, all back uh, I in, I used that picture. To tie it all back in, this is essentially it, it's self-incrimination from Keith Keith Keith. That Keith like, did, did he Keith D. did he essentially do this to himself? Yes. Yeah. He did I mean, because he he gave it he gave it under oath. In other words, when he proffered for the PCP case, he came out with the fact that yes, I was there when Tupac was shot. I didn't shoot him. I gave the gun to you know so and so in the back seat. Then he started going on the media tour. So no, he cannot be that. That cannot be used against him, because he's promised immunity at that point. However, when you start, when you get outside of that case and you start doing that, and you start going against your own personal interests, which, which lends to the credibility, they can use that against you for you know, like he wrote it in a book. And he gave a deathbed confession, uh, supposedly deathbed confession to. One of the detectives who wrote it in a book, he went on podcasts, he did his own movie, he went on, um, what's that uh, guy on, um, uh, there's a guy on YouTube that does pretty cool, uh, Vlad TV. Vlad, you yeah. ever watch Vlad TV? There's some pretty cool, you know, videos he does, documentaries and stuff, and and all of that corroborated what he had said under oath. I think that that's one of the main things, and then I think that they developed other information that led him to the search warrant, mm. and the search warrant then solidified all of that because remember this was 1996 so you don't have all of the you know the data locate the location data from his cell phone you don't have all the you know the triangulate you don't have all that fancy shit that we have now so they had to like go off a of good old-fashioned evidence and people talking which is why it was so difficult to prosecute because nobody that was involved yeah. in the case was going to talk right. i wonder if there's a bombshell that we're all going to be privy to when the case comes out that they found in the house you know there's yeah. got to be something good. Mike Tyson's oh, tiger. Yeah. Probably yeah. like pegging utensils and everything else like that. Um, <laughs> Just, dude, I'm yeah. telling you, man, I have found the kink, the, like the gayest, kinkiest stuff I found in gang members' houses. Like, <laughs> I, it's like every gang member into pegging. Like, what is up with that? I've never found a dick harness in anybody else's house, but like gang members' houses. And I'm like, why is there a harness with a dick on it? Like, what are you guys I, doing? I, I may have run across it, but I don't know. Like, I couldn't identify it. I didn't know what it was. I don't know. How, like, how do you know what it is? <laughs> You're like, yeah, putting Eric. it on your face. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, talking about you. <laughs> you gay. You like wiener. What's this thing do? <laughs> he's like, putting it on his. He's like, look, I'm a unicorn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I got a whole, I got a whole folder on my phone dedicated to all the pictures I took. Um, I had this one dude. Yeah, anyway, get it dedicated to naked no, dudes. It's just to study it. <laughs> but I, uh, this one guy's nightstand. He had anal ease in his nightstand. There was a pegging thing underneath his bed, and um, and then there was like um, uh, like a 
what do you call the things that you take a pill like flushes out your butthole? The suppository. Oh, uh, suppository. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So or, I took or, this uh, enema. Yeah, yeah. So I took all of that and I laid it out on his bed, like you know, like when you you have like guns and drugs and you lay it all out and you take a picture. I laid out like all the analies, the pegging dildo yeah. thing, and the and uh, the suppositories. I laid them all on the bed and I took a picture and I left them laid out on the bed like that, really nice and neatly, while he was in jail. So. Whoever came to clean his house. You submit so. the picture as evidence. <laughs> no, <laughs> just to make a public record, like, baby. Yeah, right. There's a little black, a little baggy about this big, but there's a <laughs> yeah. huge dildo right The DA is sitting there like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just wanted to show you a picture of the dime bag of weed. <laughs> like all right. you can see is this like, yeah. inch Hey, can, we, can we focus on the drugs here? I, I don't know why you're so fixated, but can we focus on the drugs here? Yeah, well, like stop looking at the veiny cock there. Um, that's a grand, that's a misdemeanor amount of marijuana. Yeah, but that's a felony amount of cock. <laughs> uh, yeah, 15 inches of cock is a lot better than 15 grams of weed. <laughs> All right, guys. Go check out Anti-Hero Podcast. From myself, the easy, the steezy, the beautiful Drew Breezy. Um, guns up. Get it? Just doesn't seem appropriate right now. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. Oh, my hey. God. That was Tupac. <laughs> <laughs>